0: A lot of people ask me, hey, Viet, what do you do? And I tell them, well, I used to teach math. But since that didn't quite sum it all up, I also add that I I don't just teach math, though. I teach problem solving, effect, and what's causing it, logic, probability. Like, what are the chances that blacks and latins get educated? Probably doesn't stand a chance of getting incarcerated. Stats, but not accurate. I took one class, and that was it. Optimization broken down into three courses, 101A, B, and C, like the efficiency of education, medication, and world peace, geometry, and measurement. Figuring out what shapes and sizes fit in a domain of range of how high you can go up the y-axis and how low you will go before you hit the negatives. Algebra. What the heck is x and y is dad over there? What's missing? What are you trying to find? Well, I'm just trying to get paid, but there's not enough information given these days, because inequalities obviously only go one way. So are you less than or equals to? Are you making money or linearly, an hour's work for an hour's wage, or exponentially? Because I just put another K in my 401K, so I say functions are just like parties. The more you put into one, the more you get out of it, but the inverse can also be true. You just got to know the right formula. But don't heat it up too hot or you might burn the baby's tongue off, you see. How does a mother go to school and work at the age of 16? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. But the underwise why she's scared, you got to find that root. Canal is split into two unequal parts with no health insurance. It's going to make that problem kind of hard. Stuff like fractions, decimals, percents are tricky because the more oppressed people you have in the denominator is actually worth less of a whole, especially if the numerator is kept low. So move the decimal point over to the right if you got more and to the left if you got less. Got it? ¿Cómo se dice decimal point en español? Junto. What did you just call me? Oh, punto, mueve el punto de derechas si tienes más y de de izquierdas si tienes menos, ¿entiendes? You see, fractions are just like division problems, and division is the opposite of multiplication. You see, it being divided, doesn't produce anything because it's a quotient, not a product. But quota says ADA needs to be at least at a minimum rate, but the rate of raising gas prices, it's nice to stay home with no fuel for the ride, right? Snack time, right before nap time. All right, I'm lying. I only work with kids from kindergarten to college. I mean, students, not kids. But no kidding. I do counting to calculus, college-bound, and just getting off the ground. You see, I don't just teach math. I teach problem solving.
1: Happy Monday, beautiful people. Thank you again for tuning in to Conversations with Friends. This is episode three. Super excited to come back to you guys. Been enjoying this weekly show and uh, the conversations that have been being recorded in this atmosphere, it's been really exciting. Uh, You guys just heard a poem called Problem Solving, titled Problem Solving, and that poem was written and performed by my friend on the show today, uh, I will give you links to being able to find that, but if you want to hear that again, or maybe even be able to listen to it again, hear it in more detail, you definitely want to check out this poem on YouTube, Problem Solving. Um, my friend today is going is actually so far to date is the oldest friend that uh, I'll have on the podcast. I've known my friend today on the show since I was a young child in elementary school, Um, This is true, true friend and family and partner in growing and changing over time, partner in evolution. I have Viet Mai on the phone. Viet, are you here, friend?
2: Yes. Hello.
1: What's cracking, family?
3: (laughs) I'm good.
2: I'm good.
1: Man, I'm so excited to uh, have you here and to have been able to start the show off. So Viet Mai on YouTube, if you want to hear that poem, Problem Solving, uh, maybe you could just pop off a little bit and tell us about that poem, where you were at. Uh, Just what a beautiful writing. And also on YouTube, you guys got to check it out because the video of it is really well done. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about maybe just that video and, and what the audience just heard. That is my signature poem.
3: A lot of people know me, and uh because of that poem and they every time I'm on I'm like um somebody wants me to do the math poem, they call it the math poem
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> and uh, I used to teach math actually, and it's funny that poem came about because back in the myspace days. Somebody had asked me uh, if I was a teacher, and my reply that night was that poem. And so it it, really—it was a call to write the poem because I had performed, um, you know, early early in in my my career as a poet, professional poet. And I was on stage introducing myself before I got started, and I say uh, the line in the poem that says, "I don't just teach math; I teach problem solving." And that's when, I, when I said that on stage, people reacted, and I said, "Oh my God, that, that's a poem! Yeah, that's a poem right there." And so when the when this lady, young lady, had a uh, uh, asked me if I was a teacher and uh, I knew man let me just write this
1: poem man I love how you said that it was called to you too all the best writings were that I was going to actually read this bio from uh, com. I want to go ahead and read it because I think it's a good setting the stage of where this conversation is going today uh, who you are what you've been doing not necessarily who you are but the work you've been doing and uh, some of the founding principles so just give me a moment I'm going to go ahead and read this friend okay Viet Mai was born in San Diego, grew up in Mesa, went to Kearney High School, and later completed his BA in Math Computer Science at the University of California, San Diego. He has experienced firsthand what it means to live in America's finest city and learned early on to celebrate the diversity it has to offer. While a student at UCSD, Viet started working as a tutor and mentor for the Early Academic Outreach Program, where he found his passion working with young people to help them realize their potential. He even found his own voice through spoken word poetry and has since been presenting his craft to vast audiences of students, educators, and communities at large. Through poetry and education, Mr. Viet has connected with community leaders throughout San Diego and other cities to inspire young people, promote civic engagement, celebrate art and culture, and elevate social consciousness. Some of the highlights uh, that we definitely want to talk about, the 2017 National Poetry Slam Championship. What? <laughs> I remember you getting that too, friend. I remember the excitement. I was, I was super excited with you. Uh, the 2016 Award of Merit through the California Association of Teachers of English, 2015 Special Commendation, the City of San Diego Race and Human Relations Commission, and the 2014 Facilitator of the Year through the Aaron Price Fellows Program. Mr. Viet currently serves as a program facilitator with the Village of Promise Collective Mentoring Program and as an independent consultant specializing in education, data analysis, and community development. In addition, he devoutly continues to edutain his audiences as a public speaker, host, and spoken word artist. The V Knowledge Collective is Mr. Viet's uh, Viet's latest venture, a collaborative community consulting network designed to impact education and mentorship, health and wellness, and social entrepreneurship. He hopes to figure out what all that means while pursuing his master's in social innovation at the University of San Diego Crock School of Peace Studies. Um, super excited to get into some of this. That's me. That's you, Boo. (laughs) Welcome to the show Thank you Oh my gosh
3: I was just listening to all that And I'm like Oh my gosh That sounds like a lot
1: Well it is a lot And um, I'm really happy That I could actually Read it back to you I I like reading bios Of friends Because a lot of times We don't recognize The work we do And the heart That we put into our work Until we have somebody else Remind us And read it back to us So um, That's you babe Thank you Yeah um so we so in, I was I was going to kind of hype up a few things in here cuz uh from San Diego, grew up in Sara Mesa, went to K-hop, like that's kind of my the basis of my life as well. Uh we are truly from America's si- finest city. And um it's really like I said exciting to have you here, but we've known each other for so long. Um it's kind of amazing and, and really inspiring to me to see that, although we've known each other for so long, we took separate paths and live, and then have come back and really are working towards the same goals. And I feel like it has a lot to do with the city we're from, because like you mentioned in this, we know, we know organic, real diversity, being, in, being from Southern California, being from San Diego. Um, it's really special and so maybe you could talk a little bit about that like the home, the town that we're from I'm sipping on some horchata right now um, I know you're in Dago right now like it's, it's a special place and it, it breeds a special type of a human how has home formed you and shaped you and pushed you where you're going?
3: Oh my gosh um, this is a very I mean it's an amazing time to answer this question Because, um, let me kind of take a backstory. Uh, and I was born and raised in San Diego and my parents were both people from the Vietnam War. They were refugees from the war. And, uh, San Diego was one of the cities that people were brought to and, In that, I mean, we're such a port city now, right? I mean, we've kind of always been being the tip of of Southern California. And so with that, you have so many communities or so many ethnicities that are now in this city. And so I was birthed in that.
2: Yeah.
3: And we found ourselves in Mesa, um. My mom was able to uh, buy a house in Terra Mesa, and that's that's an amazing thing. I mean, I just kind of think about that, and it's just uh, that's what's that's what set much the stage of my life. And so, Sara Mesa is a kind of a suburbish uh, neighborhood, and where I lived was. Inside, where the residential area houses, um, but it was on the border um, between the residential houses, right, single family homes, and across the main street, which was about a block over, two blocks over, was the Sarah Mesa Library, and in that immediate block of uh homes uh with duplexes, triplexes and it was section eight housing and uh, uh also uh navy housing uh up the way and so you got a lot of different people from all over not only the United States but all over the world, right? And so the school that uh I went to is where I I I met um my first black friend, <laughs> and this is why we, you, and I, we really know each other. And so, I say that because this person—I'm um, gonna shout out her name just because—Antigone. Um, um, she, she really was, uh, we're still friends to this day. And she has, she was, she is one of my longest friends. I, 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 I sat next to her so many grades uh, and we were in a lot of combination classes so we were in the same grade but yet we were among I guess what was labeled as the 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 gay kids right? Um, the advanced kids so uh, when I was in first grade her and I somehow moved over to a first second grade combination class but they kept us who were in the first grade at the same table and so, I, she was my school friend. And so, that to me, she was she set this bar. She she set the standard of what growing up as a black girl meant to, in my eyes as a first generation Vietnamese American.
2: Yeah.
3: And that, to me, you know, I, you know, I always I kind of worry about, like, what my credibility is. I'm speaking on black issues as the Vietnamese American. But my interactions, I remember a lot of interactions with her in how I started developing my awareness of black culture. Mm-hmm. And I have an older brother who uh, is a half, older half-brother. He's half-white. So when my mom first came to the United States, she actually married uh, before her and my dad met and and uh, and got married. So uh, my older brother Alex, uh, he, he introduced us to, to hip hop. Me and my other brother Huang, and hip hop was was the music that I kind of grew up listening to. And I just remember vibing to songs with Antigoni and, and having having a good time in, in the middle of class, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I also knew her, know her to be super intelligent, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And so that, to me, already, you know, I'm not even thinking in terms of stereotypes. I'm not even thinking, you know, I haven't been tainted by uh, society in a way yet, right? But yet, you know... Growing up, you start to see the differences of, of, of different types of people, period. Black, Asian, white, Latino. And you see the differences in what stereotypes, how, how stereotypes are kind of played out. And it always was interesting because when then, you know, when... Because um, I don't believe you went to WAGA did you?
1: Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, that's that's my... That's my school. Did, okay. I was just two okay, years so, under you. Yeah, I lived in the yeah, same yeah. town so, as Antigone.
3: And that's and that's what it was, right? So I didn't really know you because we weren't in the same grade. But yeah. I knew you were really close to Antigone. And um, one of the things uh, that kind of stands out is when I referred to you as as oh your your the when she mentioned your name Anita I said oh the white girl.
2: Oh why He goes,
3: no, she's black, <laughs> and I'm like,
2: oh, my bad, oh.
3: because because at that age, I didn't know, yeah, right, and so, but it stands out to me now that we're talking, and this is funny because you never know that you didn't know this story, but she basically corrected me, but even in that moment, I was confused,
2: yeah. So, you know, it, it just it just goes to
3: show how living. In, in Sarah Mesa at that time as a first generation Asian American um, shaped my whole understanding of what race and culture and friendship and stereotypes and racism and all of these things that was the foundation Mm. I'm telling you right now like just the three of us
1: (laughs) that's super powerful though because I feel that's that's Sarah Mesa though like that's Sarah Mesa's is this melting pot like I like how you said suburban-ish because there, there are parts of it that can feel pretty San Diego suburban but then there's parts of Sarah Mesa and definitely families and cultural parts aspects of the, of that town that were you know exactly the opposite of that and it was just such a melting pot of people and traditions and cultures and languages and religions and just such a special neighborhood to be brought up in minus or, you know, sans the violence of Southeast and uh, the really, you know, the, the struggle, struggles of the other parts of San Diego. We, um, it's an interesting place to be from. Yeah, I never knew that story. That's funny. <laughs> but it I makes sense it either. It makes sense. I'm pretty, I'm pretty fair skinned. And my mother is white, so that makes sense, uh, for that to be a confusion. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of biracial children in Sarah Mesa as well, too. I feel like, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Pretty thick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, went to Wake Forth. Um, I remember you because Antigone and I were literally like sisters for uh, about 20 years. That was my, my most best friend and, uh, a, really a lifesaver for me. She was, uh, in similar energy that you have to her. I looked up to her as well in, um, in so many different ways. I mean, that would be a whole show actually. It's like my ode to Antigone. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, and that's the truth. That's from my heart. But, um, but I remember you because I remember, I almost can remember your ad- admiration for her. I could sense how much she meant to you. So I, I always remembered Viette, um, and I always knew who you were and I knew that you were really important to her and that she was really important to you. I, I could always tell that. So even by the time we got to high school and you and I knew each other, you know, individually, um, It was always, like, this is somebody who means a lot to Antigone, and so you meant a lot to me. You know, like, you were my family just because of that. Man. Oh. But that's how family does it, yo. (laughs) Right, right, right.
3: And I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that.
1: Oh, it's the truth, friend. I believe in you. Um, Yeah, Sarah Mason, man, it's a special place. It's, It's beautiful. And then Kearney High School, like... Uh, another melting pot of of a school you know um kind of on that edge of of just such a mixture like some of that suburban feel um i was in the gated program as well and that's like a whole other you know way to describe ex- you know going to school in san diego in the 80s and 90s because i feel like that that even separated you more from from certain experiences i don't know it's, it's an interesting place i'm so thankful it's home um it's a solid foundation and really This truth of what diversity is, where, like you said, like you didn't know, you spoke up about it, and then you learned. And um, so few, I feel like, you know, a lot of children don't have that opportunity to to be exposed to just these differences, uh, these like, you know, a hundred different types of people around you at any one time, and to have um, to be comfortable or to have like the safety and the security to be able to ask and, and to be able to learn through that. There is something really special about that.
3: and Daily a lot for kind of setting this, this foundational experience wow. um, so yeah and you know like you mentioned Kearney Kearney was um, in, in in the in the neighborhood that was kind of labeled Mexican and Asian
2: right yeah.
3: um, and even through that it was that's just such you know there was a lot of black people there was a lot of uh, you know uh, other cultures that that were represented at our high school. And um, I, I know when I moved to uh, Orange County to finish up high school, it was, it was just a different experience. Um, the blending wasn't as much up mm-hmm. in Orange County uh, in my experience there. And so I missed, I missed San Diego and I had to come back.
1: What city um, did you move to in OC? <laughs> uh,
3: Garden Grove.
1: Okay, so a little bit uh, more area. diverse up there, right? A little more than Southern Orange County. Ah, wow,
3: diverse up there? No, I don't. It, I didn't feel that way to me. Yeah. I felt a little more segregated.
2: Yeah. Um you know, people like
0: ethnic communities are strong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they
3: gravitate. There's just like vortex that happens, and it just kind of, you know, people 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 build communities around culture, around yeah. around ethnicity, and. um that's what happened, you know Garden Grove and Westminster that's like they, they call a little Saigon, you know for a reason mm. um, you know street you know uh store signs and, and billboards are in, in in different languages um and yet growing up i i lost i lost my Vietnamese mm. i English is actually my my second language, but yet it's the only language I know now, mm.
2: right
3: so you know, that's what assimilation does, um, and, you know, through, through, through our education system at the time. And, you know, now we're, we're, we're at a time where it's just like, oh, my God, if you don't know more than one language, you're actually kind of inferior to the rest of the world. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? So um, we
2: we need to step up our game.
1: Yeah. Well, then you have that whole other influence of hip-hop, too, and black culture. And I think that it's just, that's so interesting. Um but give it given give a shout out to the town, man, San Diego, a beautiful town, um, thankful it's home man it's, it's I think it's a beautiful place to come from.
3: Thank you
1: yeah, um, so did you start did you start with poetry in san Diego? Talk, I want to talk a little bit about poetry because we we heard the poem in the beginning. I'm a poet, I started writing way back when when we were children, though I didn't feel I, I really struggled I was. For me, Maya Angelou was the is was what a poet was then, and uh, it was really uncomfortable for me to call myself a poet when I knew I had nothing uh, in comparison to what Maya Angelou had. Although that's how I felt. Now I don't feel that. Um, but did, were you writing back then? Like, let's talk a little bit about poetry and how that's. you know oh taken gosh, you,
3: you know. It- but, uh, yeah, let's talk about this Yeah, because this is one of the reasons Why I continue Doing poetry um, And it's, it's Because of, no, the answer is no I, I did not grow up thinking I was a poet um, Part of this whole Growing up in stereotypes thing And kind of starting to learn where you're supposed To fit in and how you're Supposed to fit in and who you're not Where you're not supposed to fit in um, that happened, you know. That that eventually started happening to me as I was becoming a a, a, a person in this society. And I, in my academics, uh, for some reason, it, the focus was always math and science for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was something internally. Like that is. The, uh, uh, what I was only interested in, um, but it became sort of where my interest, you know, was. You know, it, it became my more my, my strongest awareness, I guess. Um, and in things like English and history, they really did not make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't do that well um, as a writer. They were just assignments, right? So poetry in English class was just an assignment, um, and I think it has a lot to do with the context in which we teach these subjects. So you, so you, so here I'm an Asian American first generation. The context I have of history is 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 weird. It's obscure. Yeah. It's like it's cloudy. I, we don't talk about it at home, right? And yet, the history that we learn in school is of American history. Um, and and so I'm I'm thinking like, oh wow, okay, this is this is my history. When you know we put uh, history in, in, in the context in schools, they say this is our history. And so I have to identify. I somehow am, am trying to identify with this. Um, Native American, you know, uh, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving, all all these these cultural happenings, you know, traditions that we have in our in our current society, um, I, I grew up with just like the next just like the white kid next door, right? Like,
2: you know, and so it was it was interesting when,
3: you know, with writing and all that, like we we're just taught as an Asian American growing up, like and we start pigeonholing ourselves into certain stereotypical roles, and so math and science is where what I was kind of groomed to be. Um, it wasn't really until I got to college is when I started exploring my creativity and voice and my writing, and it was it was through my peers. My friends who kept encouraging me to write and become a poet and to express my voice and my frustration um, and my insights Uh, and and it was like wow uh, I actually am creative I'm actually a writer Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to take a remedial writing class in college before I can actually take the required writing class and that's that's to me, told me I'm not a writer. Yeah. I'm not good at this. And so, years, fast forward, 18 years later, people are telling me my writing is beautiful. People are telling me that, you know, the descriptions that they use, that they can hear the cadence, they can hear the tone when they read my stuff. I'm like, whoa, I'm kind of blown away. You know, I'm moved by that. And And it wasn't until this past year that I started really embracing myself as a good writer. Mm. And I've been actually having a, a pretty good time just writing more narratives. And it's been showing. I mean, I know you've, you've seen some of my recent Facebook posts and it's just, that's that kind of stuff, like huh, this, this this is a creative, this is an inspirational, I'll have an inspirational moment I'll have a encounter with somebody I just met and I'll write about it in like, you know, less than 500 words or not even not even 500 words, like 200 words. And I'm talking like an academic. <laughs> um, and, and it's simple, right? Just to share an experience and to do it in a way that moves people. I can't, I don't, I don't think, I don't say that it's actually easy, but there is something about the creative process. Right? And for me, it always starts with a feeling or an interaction or an experience
2: yeah.
3: uh, in order for me to then write a poem, right? Or an essay or even a paper. And so that has become more of my creative process is to think about the, the experience first. And 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 then go from there. We can only... Our best work comes from, from what we know and what we experience.
2: Mm.
1: Man, we got a workshop to create together. I'd love to write a poem together as well, too, because uh, I absolutely... I'm in love with your words. Um, I, I just... The, the entire way that you formulate... Sentences, uh, I mean, I'll just say that because uh, I can keep going, but just the way that you put sentences together is the way I like to read words. And I don't... I really have... There's a few, of like, favorite writers in the world, but uh, Viet is definitely one of them. Um, what? There's a lot of writers in the world. Come there's a on lot Viet, of writers in the world, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's just <laughs> I have, like, preferential. I don't know. And I, and I really don't mean that, actually. Like, for real, for real. Um, it's just the way that... Well, actually, what it is is what you just said, and I, it's the way, the way I write, and it's the way I've been working on a workshop to help connect people with this approach to writing, because what you literally just described is how I would describe it myself as well. Um, any, anytime I write anything, it's based on a feeling. And what I do is I go into that feeling, and I find all of the ways that that feeling made me feel. So, um, using my senses, using all of the, and not just the five major senses, but all of the senses, I dive deep into those senses and I write what I feel. And so, I mean, as you said that, I was like, well, you're definitely a writer if that's how you write. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Definitely that's, you know, I mean, at least from, from, from this writer, um, it is, it is, oh, it's like, it's magic when you write, when you're able to write that. And that's probably why, that makes sense why I admire your words so much. Because you're not writing what you're thinking about. You're writing what you feel. And I, I, that's what, in, that's what moves me on this earth. Is, is the feelings of the human heart and soul. Um, our brains are great. Though... They grew, you know, I don't know, the heart is just, I don't know, it's it's amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We got to work on a workshop together.
3: I, I'm going to I'm gonna put one out for your audience real quick, a little tip, a little tip. Um, also, okay, in addition to the feeling, do not underestimate the power of punctuation. <laughs> real stuff, real stuff. Am I allowed to cut something here? <laughs> what kind of what kind of audience? Is this? Real real shit. Like like I I cannot emphasize that enough because sometimes when you read a, especially text messages are the worst,
2: right? Yeah. Or, or
3: or inboxes, right? Because when people don't use punctuation, the sentence doesn't flow. And so I know aesthetically as a reader, I, I like when there are breaks. In sentences,
2: hmm.
3: and so I'm very conscious of that of my use of punctuation when I write, and so because I'm I'm so used to writing poems that a lot of my sentences are they come out like verses, yeah. And so I know where the line breaks are supposed to go, right? And you and, know and when I'm writing a poem, I use line breaks in order to to convey a pause or you know a new. You know, uh, just uh, emphasis on a word, or 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 emphasis on you know whatever whatever the move might have to be, and so writing prose became became a lot more similar to that, where I can actually just tell a story. I could tell a narrative, use quotes, right? So people know who's saying what, and 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 it's amazing. People get
1: it. People get it. People definitely feel your words. Um, yeah, that that poem that we started the show off was just beautiful, and um, yeah, man, I hope you just continue to write and continue to present. I'm gonna find a poem to write with you, and um, we're gonna we're gonna work together through through our words. That's gonna be something in our future. I can feel it. Huh.
3: i wonder if you the other topic in mind.
1: Um, you know. Not yet, but as we're talking right now, it's like I feel like it has something to do with home. Um, there's oh, okay, yeah, okay. I like that. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's like how many how many people do I know right now that I'm close to, or even that I'm speaking to, or that I'm working with, that I'm building with, that would have that you know went to the same elementary school as me, that went to that was you know raised in the same neighborhood. Um, uh, that's a special that's a special bond friend um but we we got something something's going to come out and i haven't been writing much but I, it's just because my my brain has been working more than my heart recently um, but i'm always ready though
2: <laughs> sounds good
3: sounds good my my brain's already gone.
1: all right well send something over <laughs> if you if you get something going first send it over man i'm ready I've, we had, we had a monsoon here. Um, we've been having crazy monsoons, actually, but we had a monsoon here, the first one of the season, ripped through, and I literally lost my words for about three and a half, four hours. Like, I just really didn't know how to speak because of the power of the storm, and I've been trying to find... I've been trying to write that, and so I'm, I've been kind of stuck, so maybe uh, maybe there's something between us that can 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 get my words flowing again, because... I've got some things in there that want to come out. It's just, um, you know, writing comes and goes. You have to feel it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you. Your writing is not easy for me, by the way. If I said something to suggest otherwise, it is such a long process for me. Mm. Everything that I do has become a super slow process to me. And, um, I, 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 I'm okay with saying that, you know. I think I think my professors all know that <laughs> at this point, um, and and yet and yet they they always appreciate what I produce. So uh, i I don't want to I don't want to discourage anybody um, or 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 judge have anyone judge their own writing process. If it takes you a long time, it takes you a long time. Yeah, and you know, just be patient. Just be patient. through
1: the process. Great things take time. And I also want to encourage readers because, or writers because for me, um, so math and science were my exact opposite. I was I was the other side. That was what people pushed me to do. I could write really well. I always had a, a knack for words and for speaking. And, um, and so that was what the schools and my teachers really encouraged in me. And what's interesting is I had this extremely deep connection to numbers as a child, though no one really recognized it, and, and I wasn't encouraged. And so math and science have always, uh, you know, I'm, in, I'm interested, but they were never. That was actually Antigone. Antigone was the mathematician, and I was the writer. We kind of worked out a union. But um, but what I want to really encourage people as well is, you know, schools will teach you to write a particular way. Um, the academia for me it was really it was really big to break out of the academic writing and to tune into my creative voice. I kind of felt like if I didn't have a certain amount of quotations from reputable sources or peer reviewed, you know, uh, information or knowledge added into it, like it wasn't, it, it didn't matter. You know that my voice by itself didn't matter. And actually, a lot of what I've been doing the last few years is inspired from me realizing that my voice matters. I don't have to be Maya Angelou to claim that I'm a poet or to feel that my voice actually matters. I don't have to be peer-reviewed. No one has to agree with me. I just have to say it and say it with my heart, and then that makes it true. Um, and I really connected to that in Portland, which is kind of a, a connection with us now as well. We, we reconnected after many years physically apart in Portland last year. Um, which was super dope because Portland was where I started reading poetry for the first time in public, and I wrote hundreds of poems living in Portland. I was just really deep into my writing and into my poetry and creation. Mm. And then right. Viet showed up. Right. How crazy was that? That was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I,
3: man, just, isn't this like, there's some kind of a a spiritual force, right? This is is almost like proof that there's a spiritual force in the world that moves us to where we need to be.
1: Do we want to go down that path? I don't know if we want to go there. there. Well, well, I I just say that, right? I just say that. Because that's a for show. Leading into...
3: uh, why I was there? Yes. Um, how, how we connected, uh, and and what I was there to do. Right. Yeah. So I, I I went to Portland. It wasn't even on uh, one of my classmates. Right. Uh, we were we were in a group project together, and we were working on doing a case study for. In a, a social innovation my the program that I am in is master's in social innovation, and so we needed to do a review on a company that we think is a social innovation and so we came across uh this organization. And this organization is doing some pretty cool things in terms of like providing a co-work space, um, it's Hatch Innovation, right? Hatch, they're, yeah, go that's gonna, that uh, name real quick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, why not? Um, so Hatch Innovations does, they they have a they have several physical locations and they're, they're, they provide workshops, trainings, like you know, an incubator, um, and there's a co-work space. And one of the things that really caught our attention, my, my friend Eric and I, uh and our team, um, is that they are they were playing around with they they are playing around with a funding model that is about community investing. So rather than uh just like crowdfunding, uh where you have like Kickstarter, GoFundMe IndieGoGo, um, people who donate, and that's what it is, it's a donation to these startups or whatever it is, um, they get a perk, right? They donate, some, some you know, whatever they can, and um, they get, like, a keychain or a T-shirt or a sticker. Um, and so what crowd investing is, community investing, is now people like you and I, everyday people, um, I don't make a whole lot of money. And and so we now have an opportunity to invest in small local businesses or even just small businesses or startups with what little we have. And rather it be uh, rather than it being just a donation where we don't get any return, these organizations that are, you know, raising these funds, they can actually, instead of, getting a loan from the bank, raise revenue from the community, and then uh, pay them back through their own loans, right? And so imagine, uh, you know, I, I, this is something that I'm actually trying to do with my current venture, is figure out, like, if we do community investing, I, I want, rather than pay back a bank, I want to pay back the people that believed in me, yeah. right? Not just pay back, but with return. Yeah. Right? I want to be able to say, Hey, you helped me build this company. You own you now own a piece of this company.
2: Nice.
3: Now, it's a lot different actually from the stock market because with the stock market you need millions of dollars to invest at that level. Um, not not as a shareholder, once it's IPO, stuff like that, but even to get onto the stock market to IPO, you need millions of dollars as a company. And so this is different, right? So now small businesses, local businesses can can actually be on a platform that says, Hey, um, we 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 wanna offer up to the community a piece of our organization if you donate twenty bucks, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, two hundred and fifty dollars, five hundred dollars, whatever they can afford, right? And then they can get some piece of the company, um, or a return on their investment, which mm-hmm. is, which is pre revolutionary in, in the, in the, in the sense that everything has been very corporately biased,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, in the last couple decades. So it's, um, times are changing. And so the reason why I was up there is because my friend Eric was able to get a student opportunity grant to fund us to go up there. And I'm like, yo, if he didn't do that. I would going to Portland was not on my radar. Yeah. It just was not in the chips um for that sem- for last semester and it just wasn't it just wasn't gonna happen. But because we got the grant, we were able to do that. You and I connected, I said, Hey, let me let me sit down and and and, and, and connect with you. Let's let's get reconnected. And so, what the beautiful thing about that visit um not only did you know the school help fund our trip, but I was able to connect with your business and yeah. because we had we had a whole day of meetings scheduled at Hatch Innovations, my friend Eric and I thought it was a good gesture to say, hey, let's just buy them, you know, let's buy juices and breakfast for them. And I said, I know a person.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I know a
3: person. She has a juice, uh, a juice business. Stop by Whole Foods and get some pastries and stuff like that. <laughs> but whatever, right? Like we didn't know a local pastry maker, so hey, whatever. Um, but but still, I felt so good to be able to use some of that grant money, you know, and you know, to, to do a good service, you know, things that we would do anyways on a business, you know. Meeting, yeah. um, you know, buy your, buy the coffee for your the person that you're you're having a, a, a interview with or whatever, um, and and yet I was able to do that with a friend, a childhood friend, right, and 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 and, and be able to support your local business. Mm-hmm. So that to me was kind of like the magic in the trip, is to be able to say, look, I, I not only you know I'm here for myself, but I, I also can help. A friend in a, in a very in a very small way, but the idea of it is huge, in my opinion. Um, just that, that and, and we—I don't think people think like that in general. You know, we didn't get coffee; we didn't get a whole, you know, uh, twenty cup thing of coffee from Starbucks. No, we went through your business to do it. Yeah. And and that to me was super
2: important to me to do.
1: Well, and it had it had bigger in. Packed on us and on me as well, but as a business and as entrepreneurs, because, you know, every single person like you, every single business, every single time somebody approached us and trusted us and wanted our product, it inspired us to keep going and continuing on and on. And although we no longer live in Portland and we no longer own that business, that business is still running and thriving in Oregon, uh, in Portland, nice. it will probably be, you know, become Um, a bigger brand in Oregon. And so, you know, it, it was one business transaction, which was super exciting and dope that we were able to do it. Um, but the inspiration, like the fire, you know, the, the oxygen to the flame pretty much, it was just this continual sharing of oxygen to the flame because it was a lot for us as a family to open that business, uh, to run that business, to maintain our three children and our home and our lifestyle with that business. Um And so it really did mean a lot to me. You know, any time anyone wanted and trusted our product and wanted to, especially, you know, juice it. I mean, it's juice, you know. <laughs> we did special juice. We did special juice. Nobody's doing whole food juices. Nobody was doing what we're doing. Like, it's totally different. But it's juice at the end of the day, and you could have bought way cheaper juice. Um, sure. D- sure. Deeply inspiring and motivating, and just oxygen to our flame. Uh, it, it meant a lot to to both of us, especially to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and the people the people at Hatch they,
3: they loved it and they appreciated it, and, and that's what they were about too, right? They were about sustaining local businesses. Yeah. And so the whole gesture in itself was was just it was just such a beautiful
2: a beautiful setting.
1: Well, and you know what I want to tie that to actually is the quote on your website that says, every moment is a life-changing moment. Yes. And and that's the depth of it. It's like, you know, you never really know what the next moment is going to carry. It could be your last moment. But you do know that every single moment you're living, you have the opportunity to not only do something special for yourself, but to do something special for someone else. Literally, every moment of every right. day of your life yeah. uh, is a life changing moment.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and I, I that that is that is my quote. I, I did when I when I first thought of it. I you know did a whole search on, on Google, and I'm like, no one really ever said that, mm. and so I'm going to
2: claim
3: it, okay. <laughs> so, so for me, that's my mantra, right, it was, the the bottom of my, you know, all my, um, you know, what do you call it, um, my signature, my email, my letterhead, mm. and so, uh, I, I believe in it, and it, it. But but I always have to remind myself of it, right? Because yeah. that's part of the whole being in the moment thing. That's the 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 the, the every moment consciousness that we that I aspire to live. Because I'm not I'm not there, right? Just because I say it, and that's because just because I claim it as my own quote, it, it doesn't mean I'm there. Um, but it is a reminder all the time. Uh, anytime I'm feeling a certain kind of way and I'm having a hard time, like getting out of a funk or whatever, it's it's that reminder to say, you know what, At, in this moment, I'm going to choose to think differently. I'm going to choose to uh, do a better decision, right? Make a better decision. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat this. I'm gonna eat this instead, or drink this instead, right? Um, you know, whether it be a soda or an iced tea or. Or
2: it's a juice, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so those are the the, the, the
3: every moments that that are life changing um, for ourselves. And then what you said about other people, the the quote really even reminds me to be present with everyone that I I encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important to me, especially because I work with young people. Uh, I, I work with kids from. You know, 11 years old to 18 years old to 27 year olds, right? Like, and you know, I say kids because we're all learning, right? But, but especially working with young people, I remember so many moments where, you know, I I, I can replay them in my head now, where people just jacked me up, mm. and and I still, even as an adult, there are moments in our lives that just rub us the wrong way and i could and and i you know i use some of these stories to kind of say to my audience like that's why you do you don't do that right like because 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 the moments that we encounter with people on a regular basis or on you know in a, you know in our daily lives um they have an impact they really really can jack somebody up yeah. and 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 even when i was you know working in a school at an elementary school Man, I was working with five year olds to to eleven year olds and and it was it was scary It was scary how much uh influence that I had um, during that time and so now that I have nieces and nephew, oh my gosh, it's like I have to be present. I have to be pleasant. I have to, well, you know, and if I'm not feeling in a pleasant mood, then how can I be to show them what healthy, manage, you know, emotional balance looks like, Mm. right? Um, How do I, you know, all those teachable moments, If, if my niece is doing something that's completely annoying and she's not paying me, you know, she's not respecting my... Uh, request to say stop or whatever. Then how do I respond in that situation so that she doesn't, you know, basically get traumatized mm. by a very angry homie? Right. Mm. So these are the things that are I'm, I'm like now hypersensitive of, and because I've been going through some of my own breakthroughs, I, I've been reminding myself of this quote, of this this mantra. More and more lately, it's shown up in some of my writings recently as well. Yeah. So i I do believe that every
2: moment is a life changing moment.
1: Well, and in and in the truth of that, yet you really are there, and um, maybe maybe it's just the recognition that the moments. You know, one of my one of my quotes is challenges are opportunities for healing, and it's really really the depth of that being able to embrace. Some of our darkest moments, our deepest challenges, some of our, our most painful moments, they are they're there to create healing and to create opportunities for, for new and for rebirth and for health in the future. Right. And so you truly are there. Um, I understand what you meant by that, that I'm not there yet. But I just wanted to encourage you to, to recognize you are there. Um, we, we, we all are there. We are all living in each one of our moments that are our birthright. And we're given each moment to learn what we need to learn so that we can do the work of the future. One of my favorite things is to think that everything I ever went through you know, like my moment, our conversation is going to be over, and then that's that, right? We'll speak again some other day about some new things, but this recording really won't be for us. This conversation will be over, and this recording will be for the, the people who find it um, whenever they find it. And so we, we live our lives individually for everybody else. It's really not has nothing to do with us almost at all.
3: So um, man. Oh, sometimes I'm like, what? What do I need to do? Man. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the place I want to be. <laughs>
2: <If>
3: you <laughs> were. Right. And, and I and I do hear, I hear what you're saying because of the nature of my work, and and you know, I was, I I believe I was put on this 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 earth to to help other people, you know, through their through their endeavors. Um. So yeah, I I, I have to shift my thinking a little bit. Well, brother,
2: totally embrace
1: that brother if you thought that you if you in your heart felt like you were if like right now like well I'm I'm at where I want to be at if you felt that you wouldn't feel like you still wanted to help people you know like I think that that's that's the the real special juice of those of us who are really here to help people and not claim or receive notoriety or large payments for them or to become a part of a certain group of people who who receive that. if we felt like we were good and we and like I got everything figured out, you know what kind of work could we really do um, the work would you know you'd you'd stop <laughs> you'd stop working so I've, I've had a lot of adversity in my life, especially those childhood years in Sierra Mesa, a lot of pain, and the biggest chunks of peace for me are found in those saddest moments of my life where I just realize, man, I couldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for those moments. And I'm really happy with the heart that I, that guides me. And so it's like, man, I embrace those moments. They're they're the gold of my life. Yeah. It's deep.
3: <laughs> Moment of uh, reflection just now.
1: Right. Conversations with friends. What? Um so we we started talking a little bit about finance and um you know, business and things like that. So I wanna, I wanna make sure that we get into some conversation, conversation about what you're doing personally. Uh, we read in the in the bio that you have, well, you have a lot of projects going on, which I just love as well. Keep yourself busy. Um, but you maybe recently created, I'm not sure exactly how long ago, but you developed an idea and a collective called V Knowledge, which is super dope. Um, yeah. And this includes education, mentorship, health and wellness, and social entrepreneurship. Let's get into this because I feel like we are in a new world. We are in changing times and we need, just like you were just talking about with community funding, we need new ways to create sustainability. We need new ways to create our future. We need newness. We need creation and I feel that energy pumping through me. Um, social entrepreneurship is ex- is just like wow! What a beautiful what a beautiful two words to put together. I just love it. So right, right, I, I agree. Let's hear a little bit about what your where your your vision with this is and where you're taking it. And I know you just recently uh, created a new project that I'm excited to to grow with. So um, tell us a little bit about V Knowledge and, and where that's growing.
3: Well, V Knowledge is a nickname of mine.
1: Nice. um that's a good it, one it, it it
3: it that's how it started that's why all my a lot of my email addresses are Dknowledge knowledge or username d knowledge right nice. and it started because uh when I was a budding artist um poet right writer uh wannabe rapper. Um oh. you know, my friends yeah, I started <laughs> writing raps actually and it was really bad. And so my friends were where they would call me V Man. I didn't like it. Mm. I didn't like that at all really. And yet, um, you know, they were my friends and it was kind of like that's the nickname they gave me. Yeah. But I said but the but the the word knowledge, right, um the name knowledge anyways this, this this is hilarious people are going to laugh uh it came from after i watched the movie belly with those same group of friends <laughs> do you remember that movie
1: oh man come on one of those it's a classic DMX and uh, yeah.
3: it, it was it was pretty it was pretty bad but you know d- during that time when we were you know in our early 20s um actually i don't even know if we were oh, in our so 20s was yet. I been
2: 19.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um but there was a character, and his name was Knowledge. And yeah. I was like, that's dope. They called him Knowledge. And so this idea, you know, V-Man and V, I just put put the two together, V-Knowledge. And when I said that, they were like, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of my friends still call me just straight-up Knowledge, right? Nice. And And I said, you know, cool, I'm going to embrace that. And this idea of V-Knowledge it never took off as an artist name because when I started doing spoken word poetry and, and it's, and it's in a professional sense, um, you know, there comes a point where you realize that a stage name may be, uh, a nuance to a, 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 an aspiring artist, right? A professional. And, and my, a good friend of mine who is my big brother, shout out to Chris Wilson. Um, he he said, Why? Why why do you even need to go by stage name? And and it and it just you know, the, here we go, like one of those life changing moments, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just that's why I was just stuck with VMI and when they, you know, go by VMI. And so but V knowledge was still something that stuck to me, um, not only on a personal level on my on my friends, but it became it became my my handle, right? Like what I, I how I want to move in this world and what I'm supposed to be about and so a lot of my friends were really inspired by some of my accomplishments early on that they went off and they, they were like oh my god this is the first one in the clique to get his bachelor's degree like complete his degree so we gotta go finish our degrees and so so many people just like started getting their degrees again mm. you know or you know they just they, they, they're like uh, I need to not be a a point year in in community college and I need to get my my butt transferred to a university and get my bachelors. Yeah. And so that happened for a lot of my friends. And so this 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 you know, people say that knowledge is power. Um there, there's truth in that, right? Um and then there's all kinds of spin offs at you know, what you do with that knowledge and, you know, how it inspires you know, what what do you you know, skills and, and, and all that. And so this idea of V knowledge was still something that I was like playing with, where it's like, what if I, what if I name my company after that? Like, what if I, what if I name you know, and, and you know, I don't, I, I don't know. It was just still a concept and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And this was even before I started, I even found out about this master's program and I was creating this concept view knowledge, the view knowledge collective. Like it's not just me, it's people that are involved. And I never wanted to really be like a CEO or anything like that. Um I wanted I always had this like community grassroots uh kind of organizing, and, and, and that's my background. It's just in this community activism, and everyone's equal, and, and we all have a voice, and we all have something to pitch in, and, you know, we, we use our strengths to, to for the greater good of cause or whatever or for, the, for the mission of the, of the organization or the vision. And so this idea of the V-Knowledge Collective, and, you know, you mentioned these three different categories um, of, like, education and mentorship. And then uh, health and wellness is an area that I struggle with, and and so I knew that was an important. It's such a foundational part of, of our own existence, right? That's and true. yet, and yet, who's teaching that? Who, who like I who, am, like well, you are, right? <laughs> and this is why this is this is actually why we reconnected connected a lot more, and you know, because it, yeah, I know I, I can learn a lot from you because that's a that's an area that I'm lacking. In this social entrepreneurship, why why not just business? Right? Mm-hmm. No. Well, business is different than social entrepreneurship. Social entrepreneurship means I, I want to do something different. Right? I'm going to go into business, but I'm going to do something different and pioneer something and 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 and, 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 and do it for a cause yeah. and do it for uh, a community or a society. Right? So so you put the two words together and you have social entrepreneurship. So then a month later. Right? I find out about this masters program. Social innovation. I'm like, what is that? Mm. And so I get into this masters program and it's this it's the same question, what is that? Right? That's like the first one of the first conversations that we all have in our cohort. It's like, what is social innovation? Mm. Well, there's the standard, you know, the current Stanford definition of social innovation. And and then one of our first assignments was uh, write your definition of you know uh, a thousand words of what is your definition of social innovation. Now we could have choose chosen to use the the, the current definition that 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 Stanford you know a couple of writers uh, a writer from Stanford um, uh, wrote and, and it's a, it's decent. But there was something in that definition that didn't didn't work for me, and it was the word "or," hmm. because it said something that you know I can't even I I feel like a bad student right now. I can't recall the full definition, but it was like something new, um, you know, no, a novel idea to a a novel idea to a a, 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 a problem that is more. Uh, Economical, efficient, effective, uh, or uh, just Mm. than current solutions, blah, 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 right? There's a longer definition. And that word or was what invalidated the whole thing for me
2: because I was like, it should be an and. Yeah. It should be all of those.
3: Right. But then I said, Well, that's kinda of complicated. Like how do you make all of those more how do you make something more just and economical and effective and right? So it became a problem. And so I boiled it down to my own definition, if I can recall it right now. And my definition is uh, a social innovation uh is uh a a a a thought a thought that is, oh my gosh, I, I was supposed to bring up this this definition before we talked. Um, a thought that, an idea that is actualized and moves others towards a greater peace. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. A social innovation is an idea that is actualized and moves others towards a greater peace. And that's what I, that's my definition of social innovation. And the reason why I say all this and explain all this is because V knowledge then be, be, be evolved. You know, it's kind of, a, it's still a conceptual thing that I, I'm trying to piece together as a as my own consulting firm or network um, to, to kind of help these three areas. But then it evolved into what then became my capstone project. Uh, my master's thesis, if you will, but you know, in our program we did a capstone, and it's this idea of community education. And so I met somebody who uh, was an under- is an undergrad, and he's a uh, graduating um, psychology major, and he has one more semester to finish up. And yet, when we first met, it was at an education forum, or it was at a, a debate, rather. And the debate was, um, is school choice good for America? And the two people arguing it, they just weren't so out of touch with what was happening inside the classroom Mm. that I was sitting there the whole time, and a lot of the audience was sitting there the whole time thinking like, what qualifications do you have right now, like, you know, to, to speak on this? And these are, these are some, you know, these are professors. These are people who work in academia that, that are about uh, uh, educational policy and, and things of that nature. But when you're, when you're at that level, you're not spending a whole lot of time in the classroom. So one ladies in the back, her question was, do, any of, do either of you have any experience working in K-12 education, like, in the classroom? Both of them looked at each other like, nah, me, not me, you. And yeah. they're like, nah, <laughs> not me either. So <laughs> it just was like, nah, that's not cool. I just basically sat in front of this thing hoping to have some enlightenment about what school choice, you know, the power or not or problematic of problems of, of school choice. And they're really just talking about charter schools, or, you know, or no, right? And and. And so, yeah, now I just feel like, man, we got a lot of work to do. So so, so I ask my question about, like, well, I, I think school choice, any kind of choice, more options are good. And yet, how come we're not talking about, you know, the deeper issues about our education and it not being in line with what the communities want mm. and what people want? and what people need, mm. because we can talk all day about the types of schools that are available, but none of these schools are actually solving a lot of the crises that we're having in our communities, yeah. right? Poverty, right? Um, you know, domestic violence, like, all, all yeah. of these things are... Are are just playing, you know. We even have racism, right? That is outside of the uh, of homes, right? And, and so the school system itself is not addressing any of these things, not 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 uh, you know strategically, anyways, right? But and I understand um, This is not an, necessarily an attack on um, educators because I, I am an educator, right? Um, I I still consider myself um, somebody you know who 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 believes in education and. And yet I'm still trying to create something that is, is still a void or at least or at least hasn't been done in a way that, that I think we need to, to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so I created um, with this partner, um, his name is Sean, and him and I have been working since uh, we, we decided to team up. Um, he has this idea to 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 create a system or a network or a platform of, of you know, just activities, you know, recreational stuff. Like, you know, there are a lot of people that are teaching yoga classes or uh, some, you know, recreational type stuff, you know, swimming lessons, uh, you know, going out and going kayaking or whatever. And so, I, I said, that's cool, that's cool, and, you know, but I'm not a very activities type of person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I was like, well, what if we apply that to this concept of just general learning? Well, what if anybody in the community just wanted to teach and learn? Mm. And 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 yet they didn't want to go to the school system because of these problems that were happening. Everyone, you know, there's the stereotype, right? Or actually not just a stereotype, it's true. Teachers don't make shit. So it's like, how, how is that, you know, appealing to somebody who comes from a corporate world or is, or you know has has really good skill sets, and what's going to entice them to go in teaching, right? And it's like uh, you're not know, making a good, you know argument to to hire more teachers, and so now we have a crisis, right? And then I, I over the years I've learned, you know, I've seen new teachers come in, and they're like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I want to give back. I'm like, great, glad to have you. They do their two years and they're out. Mm. They, maybe they only do one year and they're like, Nah, I'm good, mm. and they're out. They don't. They, I mean, they go through their teaching credential program. They invest all this money. I didn't even. I knew right away. I was like, I don't think I'm selling as a classroom teacher. I just don't see myself. It was. It was almost too limiting for me. Right? To be to be contained in
2: a classroom where I had to teach a specific subject a certain way. Yeah. And
3: I was like, No, I have so much more to offer than that. And a lot of a lot of powerful people, a lot of like people that I have a lot of respect for told me like, you should be a teacher, you should be a teacher, you would be a great teacher. And I'm like, I I mean, I did it. I I taught a couple classes for a couple years. And, uh, and, you know, this is right before No Child Left Behind went into full effect. And, you know, then then I definitely needed a credential. And then so I stopped teaching because I I didn't have a credential. And so I I, I understood what teaching was about. And, And a lot of my students at the time were assholes, and they threw shit at me. And it was like, I don't want this. I don't, you know, and it was like, I became a different person. I was going to become a different person if I stuck out teaching. And I would have been bitter, and I would have been, you know, I, I probably would have damaged some people, mm-hmm. I would, even myself, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I can see how the system really is is... Problematic for all those involved. And so I, I had to spend some time, you know, working in supplemental education. So I, I, I still consider myself an educator because even throughout the years, I've been able to work in education at different levels, different capacities, um, you know, uh, support, um, in uh, 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 administration, in, in nonprofits, in youth programming, right? After school programming. Um, so all of these things, I'm getting a a, a good perspective of like, dang, what, what do we need? Well, we need, we need people, everyday people to get invested in the process and to say, Hey, I, I have something, you know, just to be, be an educator when you're at the park, right? Like if you see a kid doing something they shouldn't be doing, don't just scold them like, like. Or, or or ignore it like there's we have to look out for our kids right mm-hmm. and I don't even have kids and I'm dispassionate about it and maybe it's easier for me to say that because I don't have kids but yet I now know like there's so many people out there that are providing resources, trainings, workshops, education that they're not in a school system right they're not they're not in a, in a classroom they're not in academia and so I'm like there's there's something here. So my partner and I, uh, now that we've gotten a couple months in training and workshops and mentoring and advising, um, we're still we're still learning along the way. And we actually incorporated last month. Um, we we developed a business entity, and, and, and this process is a learning process to me.
2: So even through
3: my master's program, I still gotta learn how to create a business from 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 nothing.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, they didn't teach you, they didn't handhold me to to, to learn these things. And so yet yeah, I have to now go find these these resources. And so we're working on something where um a, a, any any and everybody can teach and learn from each other in the community. And uh be on the lookout
1: where Vinci Vinci Incorporated, Vinci Inc. Vinci Inc. That's V-I-I, Yeah, N C I Inc. Um, I'll definitely add all the links on to our post. We'll definitely add all the ways that people can connect with you. Um, And just hearing you share about this, I would love to have you come back on the show in the future and um, talk about school because I I I think you probably know this, but I don't know if you've tuned into this or not, but I I homeschool my children, but I unschool my children. Um, Yeah, which is something totally different. Send me a book. Did I send you a book? Oh, dope! He did. Thank <laughs> awesome. you. Thank you. Yeah, and I, yeah, I
3: definitely want to talk to you about it because you know this idea of homeschooling is exactly what we're talking about. This is it is it is part of you know why we have such a you know a problem, right? It's like or, or or an indication rather of why we have such a problem. You know, parents are they don't trust the system anymore. And well, a lot of parents don't trust the system anymore, and so they're they're like, "Where do I send my school, my kids, to go to school?" And so homeschooling is becoming is becoming such a a, an option now. And so we, you know, me and Sean, we're we're with Vinci. We're like, "What if we, what if we get?" to To be a platform that also provides homeschool service, yeah. right? So imagine, like, we just become this 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 catalog or this resource for anybody who wants to learn and teach in a way that is non bureaucratic, right? It's not institutionalized, but it's genuinely, you know, democratized education, radically democratized education.
2: Yeah
3: you know so you know you're learning from Mr. Wilson down the street and he's teaching you you know economics and then also how to be you know how to start a business you know how to file and 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 get a business license how to how to how to create a fictitious business name and why you need to do all that and You know, LLC versus uh, S-Corp, right? Like all of these things where, you know, you can take a class, but no one's going to handhold you to make this happen. And that's the kind of education that we need to see out there is that mentorship to the style of education.
1: Social entrepreneurship. Um, I think we should get you and your partner back on here in the next few months or so and um, just get in on this because what really what you're talking about is the basis of unschooling. Um unschooling really connects connects the human to the realization and truth that life equals learning. There is no sanctioning of learning. Information is limitless. There is there is no way to control learning. Being alive is what learning is. And um, you know, I have really particular and different reasons for not sending my children to school. Um but I would love to actually I haven't um I'd love to do that. Maybe we can even Let's talk about it. Let's come back on the show and, and do just a talk for about For sure. Spirit. For sure. We'll, we'll,
2: we'll have
3: to. Yeah, I mean, that's that's precisely what you just described there is precisely why we we called it Vinci. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, Leonardo da Vinci was during the Renaissance right after the Dark Ages, when shit was really bad, right? But then you had the Renaissance, and it was about enlightenment. It was about humanism and it was about, you know, being able to, to, you know, he was such a multi person. You know, people, people think, you know, uh, you know, Mona Lisa. I'm like, nah, it was, I mean, that was one, yeah. but there's he was a scientist. He was an artist. He was an engineer. He was, you know, just a lot, so many other things. And, and we were like, that's it. That's, that's the name of our
1: company. He was an unschooler, too. Um, that's something that among the unschoolers talk about. Uh, he was an unschooler. The greatest divines of time are unschoolers. And the reason is because in order for you to really tap into your great mind, you have to be your own you have to be your own teacher you have to lead your own life and follow your interest and your own curiosity and that's why i don't send my children to school primarily is because uh you know for me what i recognize about school you know school, i spent i
3: spent 18 years my first 18 years of life thinking i was going to be a first first uh, uh, um, you know, a uh you know a a doctor right um and then i spent the next 18 years being an artist, a writer, an educator.
1: Crazy. Well, so crazy. They, they, um, they make you, school kills curiosity. It, it, it implants that this is what is valued, this is what's valuable, this is what's valid. And it's not to go against the many, many amazing hardworking people in school. It's just that school, the structure itself that has a teacher at the head of the class stating <laughs> this is truth. Um, it kills the curiosity of the human spirit, and the greatest minds of time—that's that's what they were. They were unschooled. They led their learning from their own curiosity. And I really look forward to a future world that has a lot, a lot more people raised outside of school. Um, I'm excited for it. So let's let's say that's going to be our next talk. Is that we're going to come back and have another conversation, bring your your business partner on, and we can just talk about what you guys are doing and really um, get into the school talk. I might even have another unschooler on the line, too. Nice. We'll have a panel. Yeah, you know, I'm interested in doing in doing that, too, and bringing, you know, connecting more folks on here. Um, this show is definitely going to continue to evolve. Um, we've been talking for an hour and a half almost, so um, we'll go ahead and... Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we could keep My going, man. right? We could, like, literally just... I, there's more questions. <laughs> Yeah. Conversations man. with friends, man. Like I know some dope people. <laughs> Yo, I know dope folks. Yeah, like it's so amazing when when you know. As I was planning this show and I'm looking at the friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's almost too many people that I wanna that I wanna bring on and I wanna talk to and I wanna share their story and I wanna share their knowledge. It's like I love it. Um, I'm so thankful for the humans that I've been entrusted to meet because you guys are dope. Uh, you guys are all social entrepreneurs. Uh, whether people are building businesses or not, every single human that's in my sphere is this social, you know, engineer of of just a uh, man of of the new world. And I'm so thankful to to know you to know you to know uh, our sphere, the people around us. And uh, for you and I to be based in home, like, that's just super, super awesome. So that's going to be our, our next project. We're going to work on some, some writing together, Viet. And who knows yeah. what the future holds, friend? Who knows? It's going to be bright, though. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I really
1: wish it. All right, my children are just coming in now asking for things, so I think it's time to wrap up. <laughs> but. Sounds um, good. All right, so vietmai.com, V-I-E-T-M-A-I.com. YouTube, go onto YouTube, vietmai on YouTube. Find problem solving and you want to hear and see the visuals to that poem. Uh, Just absolutely beautiful work. Uh, Facebook, V-I-I-N-C-I Incorporated. Follow them, join the group. And I'll add all of this as well. Viet, thank you so much for sharing your time, your energy, your love, and your knowledge. Um, My pleasure. I didn't really get to shout out how intelligent you are, but the world really is thankful for your mind and the work that it does and the knowledge that it puts out. We're grateful. Just keep going, brother.
2: Thank you.
3: You
1: too. Man. I love you, friend. All right, so next week, guys, uh, I'll be back with another conversation with friends. Until then, family, peace. I love you.